Hello, I'm Oliver Wong, and welcome to a another Heat Rocks mini-sode, part of the Alphabet Soup series that my brilliant co-host Morgan Rhodes came up with. Just to recap, the idea here is that each of us is assigned a letter of the alphabet, and then we have to pick five albums that begin with that letter. I was assigned the letter C, and one thing that I learned very quickly is that although C is an incredibly common letter, I actually think it's the most common non-vowel letter found in the English language, Somehow, though, it's not nearly as common when it comes to album titles for whatever reason. It's not as obscure, perhaps, as X or Q, but seriously, album titles beginning with C, not nearly as plentiful as one might imagine. But that said, I dug dug around, and here's what I came up with. And to start with, even though I just recently talked about this same very album back in, I believe it was late April as part of the Comfort Albums series, I got to bring this one back out. And that is Crying, Laughing, Loving, Lying, the 1972 album by British singer-songwriter Labby Siffrey. And one reason why I'm bringing this back is that by sheer coincidence, even though I had mentioned this album back in April, I was contacted a couple of weeks after that episode, not related to the episode, but I was contacted a couple of weeks later by Labby Sifri's manager, who asked if I would be interested in writing the liner notes for an upcoming box set due out this fall that includes all of Labby's nine studio albums plus something like four dozen bonus tracks. And of course, I instantly said yes, because as I mentioned in that Comfort Albums episode, I've been a huge fan of Labby and his work for well over 10 years. And it was, uh, I've wrapped up those liner notes and it was a immense honor and privilege to be able to to write them, to work with him in terms of uh, interviewing him via email about different aspects of his career. And I say this with no ego, but what I turned out, I believe would be the most comprehensive package of writing that's ever been done about Labby and his music. That says less about my efforts and more just about the paucity of material that's out there about Labby. He is not, I would argue, the most obscure artist. I mean, you can still find things that are written about him. There was something about him just this past April, in fact, in the uh, Guardian UK newspaper, for example. But by and large, there just is not the same amount of attention that's been given to him. And I really hope these liner notes, all 7,000 words of them, help to fill that gap. But I digress. So as part of my alphabet soup, yeah, crying, laughing, loving, lying. And as I mentioned during that Comfort Albums episode, I think this is, it's certainly my favorite of his uh, albums from the 1970s. He put out six different LPs, and this is number one on there for me personally. It also happens to be the highest charting album of the 70s that he put out, uh, largely on the strength of the original version of the song, It Must Be Love, which some of you probably recognize because of its popular early 1980s cover by the UK group Madness, but it really began with Labby. It was his song. He wrote it. He composed it. And I already mentioned in that Comfort Albums episode my favorite song off that album, which is Canuck Chase. And for this, I didn't want to re- rerun everything back again. So for my fire track, I'm going with a song that ended up entitling that upcoming box set, which is My Song. This is my song. 
Astute Kanye West fans will recognize this because Kanye sampled it. But my song, beyond its popularity amongst a younger generation, really is a definitive statement about Labby as a singer and as a songwriter, right? These are my songs. They speak a truth to who he is and what he believes. And there's a reason why he used this song title to entitle his career box set. So I thought it would be apropos to choose this as a fire track, since this song clearly has great resonance for Labby himself. It's been so long since someone could make me cry. And I wonder if you know what it means to laugh as tears go by. It is so pretty. One last time, my song off the crying, laughing, Loving Lying LP released by Labby Siffery in 1972, which came out, I think, on Pi Records, P-Y-E in the UK. And as I mentioned in my Comfort Albums episode, none of his albums from the 70s were released in the US. And so this is one of those things really tough to find in the States, so it was reissued on CD uh, back in 2006. And it will be featured on that upcoming box set that I mentioned called My Song with liner notes by me. Next up, On the C list for this Alphabet Soup mini episode, we have Chapter 2, the 1969 sophomore album. That's what the Chapter 2 or the 2 part of Chapter 2 means. It is a sophomore album by Roberta Flack. I chose this one for a different liner notes project. I just recently uh, finished completing liners for an upcoming reissue of Donny Hathaway's debut album, Everything is Everything. And how this links back to Roberta is that the two of them became friends and, of course, later professional duet partners by the 1970s. But they became friends in the mid-1960s because both of them were students at Howard University. And it wasn't just the two of them. They were also there with Leroy Hudson, who was Donny Hathaway's roommate back at Howard. And you just think about all of the talent that existed in that D.C. area in that moment. And it is kind of mind-blowing, though I'm sure you could go around the country and cities like Chicago or Detroit or Los Angeles or New York, you can find similar interconnections. But nonetheless, I just love the idea that Donnie, Roberta, and Leroy all became friends and then later professional collaborators because they just were classmates together in school back in the day. In any case, the reason why I wanted to choose Chapter 2, and specifically the fire track for me off of this album, is a song that Donny Hathaway was very much connected to, which is the song, it's the cover really, Roberta Flack's cover of The Impressions Gone Away. I tried to reason And I tell myself You'll return, but you are gone. 
So Gone Away began life as an Impressions album. I believe it was featured on This Is My Country from, I think, 1968. And it was a song originally written by Hathaway, Hudson, and Curtis Mayfield. This is back when Donny Hathaway was working for Mayfield at his independent label, Curtum, as the in-house arranger, producer, and songwriter. A relationship that unfortunately didn't pan out uh, in the ways that people wanted it to, but at least for a few years, Hathaway was certainly in the mix with things that were happening in Chicago via Mayfield and his roster of artists. And in any case, this is how Gone Away was originally composed. Personally, I think Roberta's cover is better than the original, and I would almost never say that about anything the Impressions put out, but I think she just brings more pathos. It's a richer arrangement, and I'm almost certain, in fact, I am certain that Donnie must have done the arrangement for Roberta on this release on the album. He is credited on there as an arranger. They don't have songs assigned, but he co-wrote the damn song. Like He clearly arranged this. And the, Part of the reason why I know this is because if you listen to Flack's version, there's a portion in the middle that uses a very distinctive, very dramatic horn melody that you can also find in a sped-up form on Everything is Everything. So now this is the p- passage I'm talking about on Roberta's album, or I should say on her version of Gone Away. And when I was listening to Everything is Everything, I spotted that same melody being used on Donny Hathaway's cover of Ray Charles's I Believe to My Soul. Like I said before, it's faster than what you hear in Roberta's version, but it's definitely the same melody also carried on the horns. I haven't seen anyone else make this connection, and I'm sure someone has. I mean, these are two really popular albums. I don't have extra special ears. It just happens to be a connection that I just I haven't seen anyone mention. And I also can't figure out which version was recorded first because both Flack and Hathaway were working on their respective albums more or less at the same time in the summer and fall of 1969. My my gut is that Donnie first came up with it for Everything is Everything, and then when he was sitting down to do the arrangement on Gone Away for Roberta Flack, decided to bring it back and make it into something even bigger. But of course, it could have gone the other way where he had done it for Flack first and really liked how it sounded and decided to kind of sneak it into his version of I Believe to My Soul. So whichever version, though, these are connected. These two artists, Hathaway and Flack, are connected in this really notable horn line also connected between these two songs. So this was my way by using Flack, by using chapter two as part of my alphabet soup, I get to tell you all a little bit of a story about Donny Hathaway as well. Hope you guys enjoyed that and look out for that reissue sometime this fall. For my third choice, it seems only appropriate that I go with third base and their 1989 debut, The Cactus Album. Now the album's title is a analogy, metaphor, it is a allusion to the penis, 
And I don't know if I would have chosen the cactus as being my phallus substitute because, ouch, of course, on the same album, they describe the vagina as the Oval Office. So maybe they were just coming up with really off-color dad jokes early. Whatever. I actually still really like this album, apart from the fact that it was also very hard to find a hip-hop album that begins with the letter C besides The Chronic. And The Cactus was one of the first, was one of the early hip-hop albums I actually bought. Uh, As I've talked about on the show before, my introduction to rap music came via a dubbed cassette tape that had License to Ill on one side and Raising Hell on the other. The first hip-hop album I actually purchased myself was Three Feet High and Rising by De La Soul, but that was followed. I think the Cactus album might have been the second album I bought after that, and it was largely because I really liked their single, Step Into the A.M. Ready in the intro, cue up the searchlight, promise to the center stage. I grab the first mic. Rejecting the voice with this mic that I'm coughing. You ain't my knuckle, suck I'm snuffing. In the annals of hip-hop history, Third Base was seen as the first legitimately good rap group that happened to be fronted by white rappers. That would be Prime Minister Pete Nice and MC Search, along with their DJ, who was African-American, DJ Richie Rich. Keep in mind, in the late 80s, the playing field for white rappers was really thin. You had the Beastie Boys, certainly, but they were still in their frat boy phase from the License to Ill era. They had not yet remade themselves with Paul's Boutique and then later Check Your Head and the whole Free to Bet thing. So they weren't really being taken super seriously by people who really cared about hip-hop. Vanilla Ice probably might have been making moves around now. I forget if Ice Ice Baby was an 89 or 1990 hit, but regardless, nobody was taking Vanilla Ice seriously as an MC. So really, third base were the first white rappers to really lay down the fact that we are really good quality rappers and don't take us not seriously just because we happen to be white. And the fact that they were signed to Def Jam, I think is meaningful because Def Jam was willing to invest their reputation behind these guys, even though I'm sure Russell Simmons and company probably thought that with a couple of white guys, they could maybe market this to a more of a crossover audience and sell some extra records. All that aside, the Cactus album was really good. You got production on here by Sam Sever, by Prince Paul. You have features from members of KMD, which included Zev Love X, better known these days as MF Doom. So this was a really well-crafted album. I think it really holds up even now, what, 30 plus years later. If I had to pick a fire track that's actually on the LP itself, I would go with Brooklyn Queens, which was a really fun, bouncy party track that they put out, also on single. Brooklyn. Real cool, cause Brooklyn's cool. Friday, June, the last day of school. Girls step into the mall to swing, setting up dollars for their summer fling. But that said, the real fire track off, not so much off the album, but by the group in this era, was the Marley Marl remix of a song off this album, Product of the Environment. In the heart of the city, your pops nutted. Twelve months later, your mom studded. The sight of your grill, ill-creational. You grew up your rhyme were recreational. Woo! I still get hype off of that intro scratching that they do on there. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Again, that's the Product of the Environment remix, not featured technically on the LP, though they did release the Cactus as a remix EP. I think it's called the Cactus Revisited. So I guess I could have chosen that as my C uh, choice, but 
I wanted to bring attention to the actual formal LP. And if you guys really like Product of the Environment, you can find that remix online, I'm sure. For my number four choice, I'm taking it back from 1989. We are spinning it back to 1969 or thereabouts with the Peruvian Latin artist Mario Allison, Isus Estrellas, which I believe would translate into Mario Allison and the Stars. And this is the Colombian issue of his album. And, and it is entitled, and thus fitting into my C category, the title is Caliente, Caliente, Caliente. Now, this is maybe perhaps a bit of a cheat because Mario Allison's original Peruvian issue of the same album had a different title entirely. I don't remember what it was, but it doesn't begin with C. But nonetheless, Caliente, Caliente, Caliente is the version of the album that I happen to own. So I'm saying it counts. And regardless, I love this album. And part of it is because when Boogaloo music originating in New York City traveled throughout the rest of the world, especially down to South America, one of the interesting things that happened is that countries like Colombia and Peru, they have a really well-defined and very long tradition of their own regional Latin dance style. So it's not as if they just kind of this arrived out of the sky and they had no idea what to do with Latin soul and Boogaloo music. They simply incorporated elements of that into the kind of music they were already doing locally in their respective countries and the specific music scenes within it. And so there is a, to me, a subtle difference oftentimes between hearing a Boogaloo track as it was composed in New York, as opposed to the ones that were composed in South America. And I think this Mario Allison album uh, happens to highlight some of those like I said, they're not major differences, but I think it's noticeable nonetheless. And in any case, this is an album entitled Caliente, Caliente, Caliente. So you would expect that it's got nothing but fire on it. And my fire track off of this LP, it's hard to pick because it's it's really good. But I think I got to go with his song, San Juan. I mean, come on, that is, that is straight fire. That is en fuego, as they might say down there. So once again, that is Mario Allison e sus estrellas with the album Caliente, 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 as it was entitled in Colombia. And as always, I'm just really happy to be able to talk about any kind of Latin music because I tend to find that of the various genres in which I know at least a little something about, people seem least interested in Latin. Like if it's hip hop, awesome. If it's soul, yeah, absolutely. Jazz, maybe, but then I talk. I want to talk about Latin music, and it's like crickets out there. So any excuse I have to highlight a Latin album, Latin artist, I'm going to do it. For number five, I'm going to cheat here because I'm not going to go with an album. I'm going to go with a song, and this is from 1996, and this is a double C because the group is called Constant Deviance, and the song is called Competition Catch Speed Knots. I'll be the top pick of the first draft 
people's wrath gets felt when opposed is dealt with dramatically. It had to be that MI smooth shit. Respect my crew. Competition catch speed knots. This came out in 1996 on the independent label Vestry. And while you may not find this song listed on the best songs of 1996, the best hip-hop songs at least of that year, I think it absolutely is in contention to be somewhere on that list. I was out in the Bay Area then, and I just remembered this 12-inch caused quite a little bit of a sensation within the circles that I kept because it was it was so raw. I mean, it's really just what? It's a bass line and it's a drum track and some really nice scratching done by the producer, DJ Cut, and then lyrics by MIC, who was the MC on there. And how mid-90s is that? The group is called Constant Deviance, and it's led by DJ Cut and MIC. That is, that is 90s hip-hop in a nutshell. And I think this single, it still bumps for me almost 25 years later, and I just had to sneak it in because if we're talking about the C part of the alphabet soup, this whole single is covered in C's. The group is called Constant Deviance. The song is called Competition Catch Speed Knots, and their DJ and the producer is named DJ Cut. So it's got C's everywhere here. And for those of you who have never heard this before, I just think it's a treat to be able to share it with you. Hip hop culture, the galaxy surrounding me. My poetry demonstrates where my mind be at, so don't hesitate. I meditate like Buddhists. Who's this? A verbal assault weapon. Discrepancies don't even try to get the best of me. I bring drama from the dick, B. And simply end MC's careers verbally. Thank you all for indulging me in my episode, my mini-sode of the Alphabet Soup series. Next time we come back, it'll be the letter D, and Morgan Rhodes will be back to take care of that. Of course, check out our upcoming episodes of Heat Rocks. We got the summer planned out. There's going to be a lot of fun stuff for you to listen to. And as always, you can find more info about us at heatrockspod.com. For Heat Rocks, I am Oliver Wong, and I will see y'all next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.